order to get comfortable being uncomfortable or to move in a new direction, you can't do it on your own. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Welcome to Status Go. I'm your host, Jeff Tun. As the name of this podcast implies, one of our goals is to help you challenge the status quo. I recently had the opportunity to be a part of a discussion led by our guest this week. The topic was in the form of a challenge, ignite your new year, break out of the status quo. It was a thought-provoking dialogue with about 30 CIOs from around the city. Our guest is Jason Barnaby, founder of Firestarters, whose vision is to fight stuckedness by sparking aha moments that ignite sustainable change in behavior and culture especially when daring the status quo. Welcome to the show, Jason. Hey, thanks, Jeff. Happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about your background and and the journey that you've been on leading up to the launch of Firestarters. All right. There, well, I'll just give you this disclaimer quickly that there's a lot. I'll try to pack it into uh, as quickly as I can. So, um 20 plus year veteran of the adult education world um, got my teaching start over in Poland where I met my wife on a short-term mission trip. She was a translator for our group and, uh, went back, wound up living there, uh, with her for eight years where we both got our master's degree in education. So I have been in the adult education world for the better part of 20 years. Um, came back to the States and, did what I knew to do, which is what I did in Poland, which was teach, and quickly found that it is hard to make ends meet when you are uh, raising a family to be a teacher, unfortunately. And then I happily stumbled into the world of adult learning and development in the corporate world, where I started a 10-year career in facilitating all manner of technical training and leadership training and um different types of soft skill training, then moved into sales and then into HR. And all that time, really, uh, I tell people I, I carried around either a, a um, spiral bound notebook or a manila folder that had the initials MOB on it, which did not mean that I was running a mob organization, but that stood for, uh, that stood for <laughs> my own business. And I knew that one day I was going to do that. And I got that opportunity last May when my company decided that they were going to eliminate my position after 10 years and gave me some severance. So I took that and I said, I am going to go live the thing that I challenge people to do. And that is to follow their heart and to follow their dreams and get done being stuck. And so I've been doing that full time since May of 2018. That's a fantastic story. What, what we're trying to encourage our listeners to do is exactly that, not to quit their jobs and, and go off and start their own business, but to take risks and challenge that status quo. So when you're thinking about that and you're working with a, a group of, of people or even an individual, what things are you telling them that help break through and break through that, the status quo and really start to change their, the way that they think about themselves in their world? Oh, those are, those are great questions. And those are questions that I ask 
some of my clients as well. Uh, one of the things that I ask groups that I speak to a lot um, is what sets your heart on fire? And to your point, this doesn't necessarily mean that this might date me a little bit, my Jerry Maguire reference, but it doesn't mean that you pull a Jerry Maguire and, you know, you're like, I'm out. And, you know, it's this big dramatic exit scene. But I think it does mean there has to be a connection between your heart and what you do. I really encourage people to ask themselves, what is it that sets your heart on fire? What were you made to do? I am a firm believer that we have an original design, that we were made on purpose, and that we have very unique gifts that are ours, that aren't anybody else's. But unfortunately, we get to that place where, you know, maybe we took that job out of college and we got promoted and it, it's a good paying job, but we're not challenged. Uh, we don't maybe love the work that we do, but we've gotten comfortable. And I get, and you know this as well as I do, when people get comfortable, I mean, think about when you're trying to get, you know, a family member or a good friend off the couch. That's hard to do uh -huh. <laughs> because, because they're comfortable there. And there's, there's a lot of energy that it takes to um, overcome the inertia of them just being stuck. And so, unfortunately, I think a lot of us choose that comfort, even though it's stuck. So I, I like to ask people challenging questions like, what sets your heart on fire? Um, I like to ask them about things like, what excites you? What do you get excited about? And then oftentimes, um, what I've also found is when I ask that question, I'll say, well, are those kinds of opportunities available where you work? I'm surprised every time when I ask that question, people are like, I, I don't know. And I'm like, well, well, how about you go ask? And, you know, you should see they're, they're like, oh, that's a good idea. I'm like, yeah, it is. <laughs> so I think sometimes it's just, it's just asking questions of yourself, asking yeah, questions yeah. of um, the people that work around you. And then the other thing, which I know we're going to talk a little bit more about, you've got to have a group of people. You've got to have a tribe around you who you can count on that's going to push you when you want to stay stuck. That that's that's a great segue, Jason, because the the um, the exercise that you led us through at the Indie CIO Network a, a few weeks back really focused on that the yep. the tribe and the tribal inventory, and you talk a lot about tribe in your work. So, can you kind of give us your definition of what that is? What does that mean? Uh, I I know it was kind of a Seth Godin thing. Um, a few years ago, but where do you see it and how are you implementing that? So I did take my initial, um, that's the word I'm looking for, my initial spark from Seth. I love what he writes. If you have not read the book, Tribes, would highly recommend it to anybody. It's all about the fact that there are people waiting to be led. And I completely agree with that. But I also think that in order to get comfortable being uncomfortable or to move in a new direction, you can't do it on your own. And I, I say this often that you can't, I say you can't in, in air quotes. So you might be able to do it on your own for a while, but you're eventually going to burn out um, or you're just not going to see some things that other people would see. So for me, a tribe are people that have your best interests in mind. They're people who know you well, they're people who support you. But there are also people who are willing to tell you the things that maybe other folks wouldn't. So the hard things, 
um, to give you some tough feedback, to tell you when you're being a baby and you just need to suck it up and, and work a little bit harder, or you need to really dig in to something, or you need to, to learn a new skill, or you need to be better at listening or whatever those things happen to be. So what you talked about, that tribal inventory, that came about as um, an, a byproduct of the book that I've been writing called Igniting the Firestarter Within. And it's it's the journey of myself and four other individuals who I call Firestarters and what that journey looked like. And so what I realized as I was interviewing them is they all had tribes around them. And so I began to compartmentalize those roles and I would ask them, who did you have in your tribe and what, you know, what people made you successful? And basically what I've boiled it down to is seven different roles. And um, you can you can download that for free on my website at firestarterstribe.com. It's, I think it's a, it's a useful tool because there are three stages in that tool where you look and you say, okay, first stage is the admire stage. So who do I have in my tribe? Do I have connectors? Do I have devil's advocates? Do I have dreamers? Do I have listeners? Do I have catalysts? And you go through that. And the, the goal of that first stage, that admire stage, is to let those people know that you appreciate them for being in your tribe. Because what I've found is many of us have tribes. And when I ask people, like, who would you call at two o'clock in the morning? Um, we almost all have a face or a name of, of who that person is. And then my follow-up question to that is, do those people know that they are your two o'clock in the morning tribe? And here's what, here's what I think. There are two possibilities. One, they don't know. So you should absolutely tell them. And two, I say, okay, but even if they know, wouldn't it, wouldn't you be pleased if somebody just let you know out of the blue, I appreciate your, you know, your input and your support in my life. I think we would. And so that's the first stage to ad admire the folks that you have. And you literally write down the people that are in these different roles. And so that really helps you see some potential holes that you have. And that takes us to the next stage, which is the higher stage. So I use this example of a client that I was doing some uh, individual coaching with and I had her fill it out and I said, how did it go? And she said, it was terrible. And I said, why? And she said, because, because I realized I have five devil's advocates in my tribe but I've got no dreamers. <laughs> and I was like, Oh geez. And I said, how does that make you feel? And she said, well, it's terrible because I don't have anybody to help me get new ideas off the ground. I just have people that are constantly poking holes in things. So we went to work in finding her some dreamers. She clearly had enough. <laughs> she clearly had enough uh, devil's advocates. And so we, you start going through there and you realize, you know, I need, I need this person. Yeah, and yeah. I use the example of myself in business. When I decided to go out on my own, I knew that I needed connectors in different areas of business. I really like working in financial services. I also really like working in the not-for-profit world and, and also in education and with HR. Well, my connectors don't necessarily cross those categories. So I need connectors who are in, in the HR world, who are in the financial services world, and those aren't always the same people. So that's that's another thing that helps me realize who I need, and then I go out and hire them. I'll go back to that in just a minute. But then the, the third stage is the firing stage. And that is the part where people get a little squeamish, like, oh, I got to fire somebody. And, and I tell people, look, if you, if you admire, if you do the admire stage and the hire stage well, then the firing stage isn't always as hard as you think it would be. And more often than not, it's not a firing, like I want this person out of my tribe altogether. It's 
wow, in going through this inventory, I've realized that I have this person in the wrong role. And the example that I use with your CIO network and the example I use a lot is we often expect our devil's advocates to be dreamers. And it, let me tell you, if, if you know... If you know a devil's advocate, you know that they are never going to be a dreamer because that's not the way that they are wired. And what I find is really interesting, too, is that um, often, and maybe your listeners are shaking their heads as I say this, devil's advocates and dreamers often get married. (laughs) (laughs) The uh, opposites attract, right? And so sometimes what we need to do is we have the people in our tribe, but we need to... We need to make sure that there, I think it was in the good to great book where he talks about getting the right butts and the right seats seats on the bus. And I think that's true in our tribe. So you might have somebody that um, when you go through this, you go, oh, I've been going to this person for years, hoping that they would be this and they're not. And so what I found is when we move them and we don't, we don't even have to have that conversation with them. This is just something that we do on our own that when we move them to the right place and utilize them in the way that that role is best utilized, that's what works out the best. I do want to say one other thing about um, hiring because people often say like, all right, Jason, well, I get it. Like I've done the tribal inventory. Um, I've got some holes and I need to hire. So how do I hire somebody? And Honestly, Jeff, it's as easy as looking around where you spend your time. So I ask people like, you know, look around your, look around your office. Are there people that you don't know? Of course there are. Um, Are there people in your neighborhood? Are you a faith person? Are there people in your church? Do you sit in some sort of sporting event bleachers during the week for soccer or volleyball or softball or whatever it happens to be? There's a group of adults probably around you who you see all the time, yet we don't engage those folks very often. And then one place that I found that's been incredibly helpful is with LinkedIn. And I have sent people messages before when I see their profiles and I'll just say, Hey, I'm looking for somebody like you to join my tribe. And here's what that means. I'm looking for you, for example, as a connector. Hmm. Um, And here's what I mean by that. Would you be interested? And you know what? Most people say yes. A few have said no. And I don't take that personally because in all honesty, if somebody says no, I wouldn't want them to say yes anyway, because they weren't bought in from the beginning. So I want those folks that are going to say yes. And those are the people that I want to hire and, and be a part of my tribe. So can you go through the, the seven tribe members you listed them, but just for our listeners kind of go through and what's the major role that that person plays? So the seven different tribe members, along with just a short description of them first, a listener. So this is the person that you spill your ideas to. Um, I tell people that these are the people that will follow you down every rabbit hole and take all the detours along the way. And when you're done and you say, you know what I mean? They go, yep. (laughs) (laughs) All they that's literally, that's what they do. They listen you know, to let you figure it out and let you talk through it. So first is listener. Second is dreamer. These are the folks that um, often when you talk to them and you are excited about an idea and you say, hey, what about this? They will say yes. And what about this? Or they use the word or a lot like, or we could do that or we could do this. It's never, it's never, but it's never no. It's always yes. And 
these are the folks that just want to dream and and help you see things that maybe you would never have seen. And they're exciting folks to be around. Do not ask them to plan the details of something because they're terrible at that. The people that are good at some of the details are the next uh, role, and that's the devil's advocate. I'd say that these people are often misunderstood because sometimes we have labeled them as dream killers. Um, they're not dream killers. What I've learned in my own life is that often what they are doing is helping me see things that I wouldn't normally see because I'm a dreamer with my head in the clouds. So they are really good at saying, well, what about this and what about that? But I will say it's really important not to bring a devil's advocate in at the dreaming stage. It just doesn't go well. Oil and water doesn't mix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the next one is an organizer. So these are the folks who identify and order the priorities um, of things that you need to do. They, they thrive in the details and the little stuff. You've got all these ideas and they're the ones who can say, okay, here's what you need to do first, second, third, and here's how that needs to work. And they can put a plan together and help you make sense out of some of the chaos. The next one is what I call the catalyst. And these people are can also be sort of the organizer type folks, but these are the people who like, if you say I'm going to do X, like I want to throw, or I want to have a, a conference in the fall. They're the people that are going to go, all right, well, what are you going to do to get there? Um, Cause here's what I think you should do. You should call the venue. You should try to get some speakers and you should do all this within the next three weeks. And I'm going to call you in three weeks and find out if you did it. So uh, you need to be careful when you say things to the catalyst because they will check up on you almost annoyingly sometimes, but we need them. And, and those are super helpful folks. Number six is the connector. So these are the people who have incredible networks and they are not afraid to tap into those networks for you. And these are the people that when you talk to them about what's going on in your life, they say, Ooh, you need to meet this person, or I have a friend who does this. And they love connecting folks because often when they connect people, um, their tribe grows as well. And they're all about making those connections. And then the last, the final role is the expert. And so this, I say that, that this one is the person who has already arrived at the place that you're trying to go. Maybe they've got more time in the industry. Maybe they've started and sold multiple businesses. Um, they've got some life hacks to accelerate your growth and success. Sometimes they'll give you those. Sometimes they want you to learn things and they'll hold back some of that. But these are people who um, every time you leave a conversation with an expert, you are confident and energized to take the next step because they've challenged you in a way because they've been there. And that is that knowledge and that expertise that they have is is worth its weight in gold. So can you tell what role you're playing in other people's tribes without them telling you? Uh, does that make sense as a question? Yeah, it sure does. And I would say, you know, because uh, I think one of the great um, points that somebody made in our CIO luncheon was, you know, as a as a CIO, I play a lot of these roles throughout the day for different people on my team. And I think that's true that if that if you are a good leader, you probably do play a lot of those different roles. Um interchangeably, but I would say at our core, we are probably one or two. So for example, I am definitely a dreamer and I am also a connector. I'm moving into that place where I can be an expert for people because of my experience that I've had, but I'm not an organizer. I'm not a great devil's advocate. So I think, um, I think when you look at these, 
definitions and descriptions, it's pretty easy for you to see yourself in a couple of those roles. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as as we were talking at the uh, lunch, one of the things that I thought was interesting, and you touched on this before, was that was that 2 a.m. phone call type person. And yep. I found it fascinating because I, I think a lot of us would say, oh, well, that's my spouse. Yeah. You know, if I have that urgency, that's my spouse. But what what it really got me thinking was, who would I call beside my spouse yeah. if they weren't available? And, and, and you're right. You need, sometimes you need multiple people that play those roles, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And I, and I think you brought up a really good point. Um, I know some people have gone through this and, and said, wow, as I look at this tribal inventory, I realize that I lean on my spouse for a lot of these different roles. And so uh-huh. it's, it, it can be an, an eye-opening aha that, and I'm not saying that you shouldn't, Those are that's good, but I also think that um, you need, you need a backup, you know, so to speak. And, and also, um, I think you, you know, your spouse should know you so well, um, that sometimes it's better not to have somebody that knows you quite that well. Um, who's going to challenge you in different ways because sometimes spouses won't push those particular buttons because they know what comes with <laughs> as a result of pushing the button. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we need, we need, we need other, other people. And, and the other thing is, you know, if you're really drawing that um, accountability and, and, and that energy from just a couple of people, they're going to wear out. (laughs) You're going to wear them out. Yeah. So you need to have a, a good diversity of folks who are there besides just your spouse. So you talked about, you know, building that network, building that tribe. Um, and what if you're an introvert and you're really not comfortable reaching out to people? Is it still, how do you learn how to do that? I think, I mean, I think even if you're an introvert and this doesn't come naturally to you, like maybe even as you're sitting, listening to this podcast, your hands are getting a little sweaty, like, man, that's not me. <laughs> I understand that. However, I would challenge you to find, even if you're an introvert, you've got at least one person that, and and this, and maybe you start with your spouse, but you find that one person and say, okay, I know that this is hard. And, and here's the other ultimate answer to that question, Jeff. If, if you really want to grow and learn and develop, you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And if you're an introvert, that doesn't mean you need to suddenly sign up to go to a bunch of networking events. You can do this kind of on the down low and slowly by just saying, introduce me to one person. Yeah. And you have a particular, you know, uh, role in the tribal inventory in mind for who that person would be. You meet that person. And here's what I love too. Um, if you are an introvert, here's the one thing that you can say to a new person that you meet and you probably won't have to ask another question if you start with this and it's this hey tell me about your life and your journey and how you got to the place that you are and then close your mouth 
which for an introvert probably would be a hard thing to do. But (laughs) I'm telling you, it's amazing what people will tell you when you are willing to sit and listen. And maybe along the way, if there's, you know, if, if you have a question that comes up based on something that they've said, or maybe you just get to the end and, and you say, here, here are two other great questions. What's the most important thing that you've learned that's gotten you to where you are? And what's the biggest challenge that you've overcome in getting to where you are? And again, you throw those out there, you sit back and listen. And a lot of times when people have somebody on the other side of the table that's listening, we feel really well connected to them. So they're going to feel connected to you. And then you've just built that you've built that next person into your tribe. And then maybe the next time you get together, you've rehearsed your story a little bit and you say, and that'll help you, you know, you've already got an example of what somebody has said to you. And then you say, okay, well, the next time we get together, I'll tell you my story. And, and you just literally go one person at a time and you get to know that person better. And then when you get to the place where you feel comfortable, you say, Hey, I'm looking for, if that person was a devil's advocate, I'm looking for a catalyst. Do you know anybody who would fit this that you could introduce me to? Because now there's trust built up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I love that as a as an approach. Uh, and so many times, uh, not to stereotype IT people, but I'll stereotype them. They are introverts, right. uh, a, a lot of us. Uh, and to have be armed with that is uh, it's great to be able to have that lead in question that gets the conversation flowing. I I think that's great advice. Well, I, I hope I hope for somebody that. I know it's been really good for me. I mean, I've sat down with people who are CEOs of companies and in, in the C-suite of companies who, you know, sometimes people are, are intimidated to talk to. And, I, and I've had people say, well, how do you, how do you talk to them? And I say, I, I say, tell me about your journey. And I sit back and listen. And it's an easy conversation because I'm not doing much talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, Jason, this has been this has been great. I I really loved the conversation that we had today, but also the conversation that we got into with the Indie CIO network. Yeah, it's, a it's a different way to look at your professional network. We're all trying to build those networks. And when you blend this tribal inventory with your professional network and your personal network and and can understand what roles people have, it really makes your contacts so much more powerful. I totally agree with you. And as you are you know, searching for that connection or that next job or that whatever that happens to be, if you have, I can tell you for me, there have been days when I'm like, maybe I shouldn't be out on my own. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. And those are the days that my tribe, whether sometimes I you know, just tell them I'm struggling or sometimes just out of the blue, there's the message that comes that's just super timely. And it's and it, I'm telling you, it's the reason that I'm still doing what I'm doing because there have been tough days where I don't have it in me, but they have it in them. And that helps me take that next step. That's incredibly powerful. I jotted down three takeaways for, for me just to kind of summarize our, our conversation a, a little bit. Uh, the first one, and you, and you said this a couple of times, and I think it is so true, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's Absolutely. In a sense, that's leadership, right? You have to be yeah. uh, comfortable with being uncomfortable. The other one that I jotted down was uh, when you're trying to hire into your into your tribe, look around you. It was interesting and timely because I I had lunch today with one of the members of the NDCIO network. I've never met with him one-on-one, Oh, great! Uh, only in the group. And as you were going through the list of the, the seven uh, roles, 
he's a catalyst, man. He, he came up with some fabulous ideas and, yeah, and, and, and now they're on my plate and I know darn well, he's going to follow up on them. Annoying uh, with me. And then the, uh, the third thing were, were the, were the three questions, the, Hey, tell me about your life, your journey, how you got where you are. Uh, what's the, the most important thing that you've learned in your journey and what's the biggest challenge you've overcome? I think armed with those three questions, people can begin to build their tribe and build their network. I think that's great. I sure hope so because, you know, in, in life and in business, we, we hang out with and we do business with people that we like and we trust. And the way that we learn to like and trust people is when you pull back that curtain a little bit and you share something that's personal and I've done all kinds of activities like that with leadership groups. And it's amazing leadership groups that have worked together for years. And I say, um, I say, you know, tell us something that we wouldn't know by looking at you. And almost inevitably when that, that activity is over, at least half the group looks at somebody else in the group and goes, I had no idea. Yeah. yeah, That's absolutely right. So I always like to wrap with the, with the question, what didn't I ask you? that you thought I was going oh, to, man. and you need to answer. Um, Anything you can think of? Gosh, that's a good one. You you hit on this, but you didn't ask me specifically because you talked about my mission in, you know, on my website and in my business, but why, why am I doing what I'm doing? And I would say the answer to that is that I spent so many years with so many stuck people on the elevators um, not just in the building that I was in, but buildings I would go visit for business and, and you know, sales calls and different things that I did. And um, there is there is a physical change in people's voices, in their facial expressions and in their body posture and language when they are talking about and doing something that is connected with who they were made yeah. to be. And to be a part of helping people uncover what that is, even if it's, even if it's just having people go through a tribal inventory, or, you know, if, if there's somebody that's listened to the podcast today that takes those three questions that you just talked about, I get an incredible amount of, of soul satisfaction from knowing that I was a piece of that journey because I'm, you know, this, I'm sure your listeners know this life goes by in a blink and it is just incredibly goes by incredibly too fast for us to spend it not doing what we were meant to do and being yep. stuck. That's that's absolutely true, Jason. I have really appreciated your time today. I, I am like so me. so glad to have you in my tribe now. I know like we've just I. met recently, and yeah. it's been it's been fantastic. To our listeners out there, if you have a question or want to learn more about how you can ignite your 2019, go to intervision.com. The show notes will provide links and contact information. This is Jeff Tun for Jason Barnaby. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find InterVision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.